This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today, we're going to be talking a little bit more about the making yourself as successful as possible with something that is near and dear to my heart, and that's passion purpose, those things that make us really want to get up in the morning. And yes, some of that is, oh, we have to make money um, or oh, we get to make money, you know, all of those various things. But there is much more to life. And maybe it's as we get older, <clears throat> we discover those things or, you know, all of these various things. But I'm going to have so much fun today talking with my guest, Sarah Box. So please join me in welcoming Sarah to the program. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks, Deb. It is so exciting to be part of your program. I've been looking forward to chatting with you, and I have enjoyed listening to your other podcasts. So I'm excited to be here. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. You know, people ask me what I get out of doing this, and I, it, without a doubt, the, the most that I get from it is the chance to meet and interact with such extraordinary people. You know, I do learn things. You know, that's that's always a side benefit, but I get to meet and chat with just the most spectacular people in the world, and now we're going to add you to that list. Fabulous. Great. Well, before we really get going, let me tell people just a little bit about you. So Sarah Box is best known as a strategic vision coach, consultant, change agent, and best-selling author of The Changemaker Ripple Effect. She pulls from more than 30 years of professional experience working in and assisting nonprofit organizations as well as the corporate sectors. Sarah has further influenced and fully embraced the world of nonprofit organizations by serving as an executive director, volunteering, board coaching, and leading teams, receiving the National Governors Association Award for Distinguished Service to Government. As a consultant, Sarah has worked on more than 140 projects for county commissions, state agencies, charter schools, nonprofit organizations, foundations, and local, regional, and state collaborative networks. One of her many passions is helping high-achieving women and men in trans to transition to gain clarity about what matters most to them and charting a clear path forward. From dreaming to attaining their next level of success, Sarah is there as a steadfast guide offering group workshops, individual coaching, and consulting. Today, Sarah helps people to find more satisfaction in their work and team relationships, more easily identify and overcome obstacles, decide what strengths they need to learn and develop, or weaknesses they need to mitigate in order to reach their goals. <sighs> Holy cow, this is going to be so much fun. Again, Sarah, welcome. Thank you very much. Well, I'm always interested in finding out what brought you to where you are today. Because it is, you know, everyone has their own unique path. But tell us how you got to where you are now. 
You know, if for your listeners who know the Beatles, it has been a long and winding road. And, <laughs> uh, because I think back to that, and it hasn't been one single, um, like I didn't set out to be where I am now. Mm-hmm. It has been a series of choices along the way. And I think being encouraged by different people throughout my life. One of the things that I feel really fortunate about, and this may sound odd, when we were growing up, we were a blended family, and mm-hmm. which at that time there weren't as many blended families, but we also were not extremely well off. We weren't poor, but we weren't, there wasn't any extra, let's just mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. And when I wanted something, my parents were pretty realistic. They never said I couldn't have something, but they right. were honest about what they could afford. Mm-hmm. So when I set out to do something, boy, I had champions. I said, sure, you can do it. My you know, the old, you can do anything you set your mind to, but, but then they would leave me alone to go set my mind to it. Mm-hmm. So it led me down some interesting roads to where I actually, um, as most young gals do, they, you know, often get a chance to babysit. And it was, didn't take me long to realize that um, I wasn't going to make it on 50 cents an hour to achieve what I wanted. Right. So I set out to find another job and and I was 12 at the time, so my best friend and I found a job. But it was just one of these things where I would follow something because I had a goal or an aspiration. At that mm-hmm. time, I wanted a horse, and we couldn't afford a horse. Mm-hmm. So, But I came back to negotiate with my parents and said, but what if I could afford the horse? Could I have one? Right. And I think they thought I would never be able to do it. They're thinking, so, that's, that's a pretty big goal. It's a big chunk of money for a kid mm-hmm. who has a very tiny bank account. and But they, they said, well, we'll talk about it. And in my mind, when someone tells, tells me we talk about it, the door's open. Right. It's not a no. And in fact, I interpret that to be a, okay, we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, I set out and she and I um, were able to get a job bottling saddle soap. And as unglamorous as that was, we were asked to make a decision, or as it sounds it was, it was actually really fun because we loved horses and being in the saddle shop. Um, But the owner was this older guy, and he was like this amazing custom saddle maker. But he Mm -hmm. was kind of crotchety. And -hmm. here we were, these 12-year-old girls, you know, we'd come in after seventh grade and um, work after school. But the first thing he asked us when we started was, how do you want me to pay you? by the hour or by the piece. And I'm thinking, don't, don't you have a plan? <laughs> and right. hmm. Hmm. Well, so we didn't know. And we talked about it and we put our heads together in the back. We thought we can work faster than he's going to pay us by the hour. Mm-hmm. And we did, man, we cranked out good work. You know, I mean, his standards were high. We couldn't go fast and sloppy. They had to right. look. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we did that. And that set me out on a path to doing, getting a horse, then negotiating mm-hmm. with my parents. But then the next time I said I wanted to do something, um, that seemed kind of like a far reach for me because mm-hmm. I was 18, had a, a job, but you know, they're not paying you much at 18. Right. And I decide with my boyfriend, we're going to go to the Olympics. Oh. Which were two years out. Mm-hmm. And so I told my mom, same thing, we're going to go to the Olympics. In her usual fashion, she goes, that's a great idea. Yes, Sarah. Well, okay. Well, no, but she says, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. And But along with that was, you know, other people's parents don't think it's great for an 18 or 19-year-old to traipse clear across the country. Right. And, you know, so anyway, long story, we accomplished that as well, my mm-hmm. boyfriend and I. And 
but there are just things that um, when I've set out to do something, I've been fortunate to have people early in my life say I'm capable and can do that. Mm -hmm. So I know that's what difference it makes. I've also had in different phases in my life, the opposite. Right. Someone has tried to tone me down or, or have me do something that I can do. I'm, I'm actually good at doing it, but it is um, soul sucking. Right. You know, so mm -hmm. it's just, it's been an interesting thing. And over time, so I went to school and did all of that in my own pacing, you know, with gaps in between mm -hmm. and finally finished and finished my master's in my 40s. And even going through that, when I started out doing that, the gal who was the head of the school, you know, was counseling me and she goes, what are you going to do? So I set the traditional, I'm going to do this. I've been working in business. I'll finish my business master and all that stuff. And, she, and it's online, most of it. And she says, mm -hmm. you know, why are you falling behind on this? You don't fall behind on stuff. I said, I don't know. And she goes, I think it, you might want to examine what you're doing and why. Right. So I said, well, I was stuck. So in that moment, she kind of became a coach to me to make mm -hmm. me dig a little deeper. And she goes, I think if you were just being true to yourself, would you even be taking these classes? Mm -hmm. I said, no. And she goes, so what would you be taking? Look at the curriculum and let's mm -hmm. talk later. And I said, these are the ones that interest me. <laughs> she says, yeah, that's a, that's a degree in pastoral counseling. I right. said, oh, That's right. very different. But, but that's what I did. And mm -hmm. boy, I, I was on time with all that coursework mm -hmm. because it, it spoke to me. So for me, it, those kinds of things and then getting a chance to work in nonprofits and mm -hmm. keep bringing in and interweaving your, your learning with what you're doing in the moment um, I've just taken advantage of opportunities that have come up and it has led me here. And I would say some of the greatest things that have happened were ha saying yes to some things that I was going, I'm not sure I know how to do that, mm -hmm. but I feel I should do that. Right. And, and just trusting. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, there's, it's not unscary, but it does feel good when you get to the side and you go, oh, now it's familiar. What right. else? Mm -hmm. What else? So that's how I'm here. Um, I recently decided that I would um, sell my part of the my partnership back to my company and become an external partner rather mm -hmm. than an employee, mm -hmm. and then be able to devote more of my own time to my coaching. You know, my one-on-one -on -one work mm -hmm. with clients and small teams. So, and and add a podcast and a book in there. Right, I love it. You know, and what I love is that, as you said, you always had that encouragement, um, you know, and, and there might have, you know, there obviously were obstacles, but you found ways around them. And, you know, so many times people get that obstacle, whether it's, you know, personal, professional, whatever, and we go, uh, no, just can't do it. And, you know, sometimes they really are true obstacles that it really just isn't going to happen, but... In many cases, we need to get creative and figure out ways around that. Um, you know, you needed, you know, you, you wanted that, that degree, but you needed to get creative with this was what really interested you. You know, and, and so many people, I work with a lot of, of students who get a degree now in whatever because it's what mommy and daddy told them to or what those stupid aptitude tests told them, um, you know, or their, their counselor. And, 
you know, when you ask them, well, what do you want to do next? You get this deer in headlights look because it's not anything, they don't have any idea. You know, they, they have that degree, but then the now what comes up. And, you know, I think so many people don't follow our passions, you know, because we're told it's not practical. You know, you, you mentioned the fact that, that people, you know, can, can dissuade you. So we're told, well, that's not practical. That's not going to make money. That's, you know, the, the, everybody finds all the negative ways to tell you that you shouldn't do something. And pretty soon we just go, okay, well, you know, I'm, I guess I'm going to do that. And so I love that you work with people to show them that what they want really is possible. And, you know, and, and they can do what they want. You know, the, the obstacles can be worked around, you know, all these various things. And, you know, but tell us why you started really working with high achieving women to help them find their passions. What I find with high achieving women, and it's funny you asked me that question because I just sat down um, and had a great conversation with a gal two days ago. And, mm-hmm. um, she wanted, you know, we were talking about coaching and just her own, kind of her own path and mm-hmm. place that she is in her life. She is extremely accomplished in a couple of different areas. And she says, you know, I, I just don't know. I, I, fi- I know I'm smart. I know I do well. Um, I think I should be able to figure this out. I figured out how to get where I am. And I looked and I said, and there's the problem. Right. You know, I said, all high achieving women. I said, myself included, think we can do it on our own. Mm-hmm. And and so we feel like we shouldn't necessarily ask, or if we ask, you know, maybe we're not we're as weak. smart as we think mm-hmm. we yes. And which is almost I know for me, learning to ask, ask for feedback, ask for help was hard. Mm-hmm. Because I thought, well, it's a s I I could have said to her what she said to me. And I mm-hmm. it, I just put my own face on it. And I totally could have said that. Um, but it wasn't until I was able to say to someone, I could do that, but it's really going to be hard for me to do it. Not mm-hmm. like I couldn't, but I need you to help me see differently about mm-hmm. it. And I think when there's an external person who is unbiased, right? I mean, really, when you think about it from a coaching perspective, and even a consulting perspective, even though the roles are slightly different. Um, my bias is to help whomever I'm working with achieve what they're after. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a particular way they need to do it. And so it's easier for the external person to help you question some mm-hmm. of your assumptions or limiting beliefs mm-hmm. or even help you dig a little deeper. So I find it's very fulfilling for me to watch women who I know are just, they have so much to offer, mm-hmm. just get over a little hump and then go. Right. You know, go out and do some cool things and make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting when you were talking about that because this is purely anecdotal from from my perspective. But to me, men, for the most part, were brought up to be team players. You know, they, they, they were participants in sports, you know, all these various things. And in those, you are asking for help. You know, you're being part of that team. And women, and especially women, you know, of, of say, maybe our demographic, 
we were, you know, when we were little girls, we were playing with dolls. We were doing very solitary things. You know, even when we started in school and maybe started doing sports and things like that, it still seemed to be that we were in many ways very solitary. And so maybe that's where it's it's a little bit more difficult for us to ask for help. And I think we are expecting that if we ask someone for help, even if it's a mentor, a coach, you know, a, a whoever, that people will think less of us. So then, yeah, there she goes. She, she really couldn't do it. You know, those type of things. And guys are like, well, yeah, I just needed somebody new on the team. I needed that new skill, you know, whatever it is. And it, they have no problem with asking for help. I do think it, it comes a little easier mm-hmm. to men often than to women. Although I will say I know a number of young men um, who will push harder, longer with one thing. Well, all you'd have to do is turn to your right. There was someone who, mm-hmm. not me necessarily, but there's someone right next right. to you in five minutes could have helped you look at that differently. Mm-hmm. So I do think you have a piece of that, Deb. The other thing I, I think that we, um, and I don't want to speak for everybody, but I do know that we get fulfillment in helping other people, you know, and taking care of other mm-hmm. people to some degree. And I think, um, we feel somehow as women, if we're not doing that or we're focusing too much on ourselves, we're mm-hmm. selfish. Right. And, and the irony of that is when we don't focus on ourselves and take care of ourselves and our health, there's really nothing to give to anybody else. Or in my case, I call it when I get crispy, like I haven't taken care of myself and what mm-hmm. people get from me is not my best self. Right. Well, and you know, one of the problems that we as, as women come up with is the fact that, you know, if we sometimes start focusing on ourselves, then we might get called that B word, you know, and, 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 and that we're not, you know, or that we're selfish, you know, all these various things. And it's funny, I'm looking up something here on Facebook that a friend of mine posted um, just yesterday, let me see if I can find it, where she said something along the lines of, you know, why is uh, having, why is a woman, here it is, she said, What's wrong with being confident? And several people, of course, responded and said, nothing, not a darn thing, all of these various things. Some people said, well, it beats insecurity. And then somebody, and and those were men. I love that part. Those were men who were saying that. But then a woman responded and said, well, what if it's narcissism? And I'm like, oh, wow, now wait a minute. This is different. Um, And it's funny because the women and the men had different takes on what was wrong with being confident? And of course, my first thought when I saw that was, well, absolutely nothing, you know, and, and, but it is, it is kind of odd that, you know, when you have a confident man, it's a positive thing. When you have a confident woman, sometimes it does broach onto that B word, that narcissist, that selfish. Well, I think it can sometimes come across to some folks. Let me, let me take a step back a second. So, what I really try to do, and I listen a lot to language, mm-hmm. when I hear, if I, I'm going to put myself in a group mostly of women, guys can be there too, but I listen. So when a woman is stepping out and being confident, let's mm-hmm. say, and it may make people around uncomfortable, right? Because right. it might mm-hmm. be a new behavior and here's she very clearly expressing herself, whether it's pro or con, whatever the conversation is, mm-hmm. when people put a label on her and say, well, isn't she the B word mm-hmm. or, um, you know, what a self-serving person or whatever. 
I really try to change the conversation or to, you know, say, I think it's pretty cool that she's taken a risk mm -hmm. because it is risky. And until right. enough people start making that the norm, then it just is different. Mm -hmm. I do think it's changing. I think there are many, many more young women and women of all ages who are just going, it, it just is what it is. I'm right. out there. I'm going to go after what I want. Mm -hmm. When we are less concerned with how people judge us, as long as we're being true to ourselves and also I'm not excusing being mean or nasty. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. When you're clear and confident mm -hmm. and um, who you truly are, people are going to take shots at you from time to time. Right. And I think we can either try to fend those off by not stepping up and speaking out, in which case we're invisible, mm -hmm. or we can just suffer, you know, as they say, suffer the slings and arrow, consider the source and move on. Mm -hmm. Because there are things that we need to, all of us, men and women, but I'm, I'm really thinking about women. When I look at really great gals who I know who are saying, well, maybe someday I'll do that. And I'm thinking, we really need you to do that today because right. you would such a difference mm -hmm. to everybody if you did. And so for me, it's really it's self-serving. I want my mm -hmm. community and the world to be better by women stepping more fully into themselves and men as well. Right. You know, and it's interesting because, it, 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 you know, you talk about people taking the pot shots. Um, you know, we're not going to delve into politics, but clearly, you know, there are some issues when a, a woman wants to run for a higher office. You know, it doesn't matter if it's county commissioner or president. Um, you know, people start taking those pot shots. And, you know, or, you know, the, the woman wants to be the, the, the team leader at the company, the CEO of the company, all these various things. And I think one of the things that we, as women, have got to get better at doing is supporting those women. Um, you know, and, and I think so many times we're afraid, you know, well, we just called that woman a bee, so I don't want to step out there because somebody else is going to call me that word too. You know, all these various things. And, and it, it maybe comes back to that word confident. You know, we have to be confident in ourselves in order to, you know, help other people. I agree. I also think we have to be willing to um, break the tide, right? Mm -hmm. So when it, and it's easy for people to hop on the bandwagon. And so one person will say a negative comment, whether mm -hmm. it's, you know, about her gender or her platform, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and we can either be silent and let it, let it ride or we can, we can interrupt it. And it mm -hmm. is often difficult to interrupt because people go, oh, you're always doing that or you're making mm -hmm. excuses. But someone's got to interrupt in a and in a thoughtful way, not in a. So, this is like one of my pet peeves. So you've got mm -hmm. me going here, Deb. That's okay. Because it is one of the things. Having recently, it's funny you bring up politics, but having recently been involved in a primary race where people would label mm -hmm. by gender or by party and not listen beyond like the label, and I'm mm -hmm. thinking, but you may be missing a really key piece right. of information just because that person got labeled this way. Mm -hmm. um, and it really opened my eyes to how quickly someone's, and they would ask me like, how are you registered? How did your vote? And I'm thinking, I'm not in this race. And mm -hmm. so if you're attaching me to that person as a means of making a decision, mm -hmm. you need to look at the issues. But I started thinking about how it's quicker to label and dismiss than it mm -hmm. is to say, 
gee, I wonder what I might learn here. Right. And so if we can interrupt um, in a in a way where we don't put people off and say, yeah, I wonder why they had that opinion, or I'm mm-hmm. wondering what else, or I wonder what it would be like if we tried that. Mm-hmm. So there's an... Uh, there's a need to be interested in learning and exploring. Mm-hmm. And, and I just sometimes I wonder, what if all of my assumptions were wrong and that person or that group was right? Wouldn't mm-hmm. that be a slap on the face if I right. never listened to them? Mm-hmm. So, um, but I, I think being civil is so important right mm-hmm. now and being right. able to be thoughtful about that. Well, and it's interesting that you mentioned that because I've, you know, it, it, I've, deliberately tried um, to have guests the last couple months and some months going forward that are experts on how to deal with toxic people and toxic situations. And it's, it's very interesting talking with them because it, it, it's exactly what you just said. You know, I need to learn more about it. Um, one of my guests said, you know, it's not that, they're, that, they, that they want to be a bully. It's that they want to feel safe. And I thought, whoa. I mean, that really did just bring me totally around in a circle because that had never occurred to me. I mean, you know, sometimes we just think, well, that person is nasty because they like being nasty. <clears throat> well, yeah, there are unfortunately people who are like that. But but when she said people who are like that because they they don't feel safe, and so maybe, you know, they're the person at work that is always belittling everybody else. Um, you know, male or female. And and what they're wanting is they're wanting job security. So they want to feel safe. Um, you know, all these various things. And, and it was just very interesting. And I think, uh, hopefully, you know, we are learning that we don't have to be toxic, that we don't have to be mean and nasty. Um, unfortunately, I see it a lot on social media because people think, well, that screen protects me. You know, I can say horrible, awful things, especially if I don't know those people or even if I know them. You know, I, I always tell people, would you say what you just said to that person face to face? And they're like, no. Well, then why would you type it? You know, I'm, I'm sorry, but... Um, no, that's true. I, and, you know, or the, the people that, well, I don't know them, so I can say that. You know, I, I commented one time on, on somebody's Facebook post, and a person who I didn't know, didn't know at all in the slightest, called me an <coughs> idiot. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, you don't know me. And, and then, and I always tell people when I'm training them about how to use social media as a, as a professional tool, I tell them, okay, don't go there. You know, don't, don't air your dirty laundry. Don't pick fights. Don't do all those various things. So then it was very difficult to me when this person was calling me names. And, but I stepped back for a second. I thought, okay, clearly I touched a hot button for this person. And so I apologized. And it, you know, and I said, you know, I'm terribly sorry. You know, I've, I've obviously upset you. That was not my intention. Well, she was having no part of it. I mean, you know, it, it was such a hot button. She didn't care. And so then I just removed myself from that discussion. But, you know, it, it is something that I think is tricky in this day and age. And so we need to uplift people. Um, and this was a really long segue to actually talk about your book, The Changemaker Ripple Effect. And, and I know that's, you know, we just want to touch on it a little bit. But in the book, you talk about how we can make a difference to if we make a difference to a small number of people, and then they make a difference to a small number of people. Pretty soon, it is like a ripple effect. It's the you know the 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 drop in the pond that starts going out there. And when you treat someone nice, 
with courtesy, with respect, even if you just smile at them as opposed to going, that has an effect. And, And as I was reading your book, what I was thinking was, we don't think of the positives, but look at the negatives. I mean, you know, if somebody cuts us off in traffic and, you know, gestures, you know, one of those, one of, one of those one finger salutes that can ruin our day, you know, or a coworker says, you know, well, this, this, you did this work, you know, or somebody just makes an offhand or, you know, on purpose comment, those negatives can have such a horrible effect. So just think how much, a positive effect can have on somebody. And I, I love that that's the premise of your book is how, you know, we can just with sometimes major, but sometimes with just small things, we can truly make a difference. You know, it's interesting um, that you say that because uh, the driving is obviously very common experience for anybody in a metropolitan area, right? Mm-hmm. So many years ago, I started making up stories when people would cut me off. Right. And I, I do. I just think, mm-hmm. oh, I'm, I hope they get to the hospital mm-hmm. safe. And my mm-hmm. husband would go, what? And I go, clearly, that would be the only reason they would cut me off. Yes. Or flip, you know, I mean, I mm-hmm. just, mm-hmm. Goes, why do you do that? I says, because it feels better than thinking mm-hmm. they're just jerks, right? right? And well, and, and doing that Pollyanna, and I love that you actually mentioned that people called you Pollyanna because people do the same thing to me. And, and sometimes, you know, they're, and, and I would choose to see the good, you know, and, and to look at that, like you said, you know, they cut you off in traffic. Well, maybe they're late. Maybe they're having a baby. I mean, you know, all these various things. And so it's how can we see the positive as opposed to immediately assuming the negative? So I'll tell you a story similar if I've got time to tell you oh, this. Yes. But, mm-hmm. um, it was maybe six or eight months ago. I was taking a short, what they call it, you know, it's an hour flight from here to the Bay Area. So I was mm-hmm. flying over the mountains early, early in the morning. So I had a full work day over in the Bay Area. And so you know how it is. You have to be there early. Right. I'm up at 3 a.m. getting mm-hmm. dressed, lugging my stuff. And I'm tired. And I'm in the airport. And it's not going to be a pleasant, I mean, like the stuff I'm going to be dealing with is going to be somewhat difficult, confrontational, mm, and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. So I'm not looking forward to my full day. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I'm getting off the plane, this guy walks up early, you know, before my row. So he goes up ahead of me so he can help this gal get a suitcase out of mm-hmm. the overhead. Well, she clearly was capable of doing it, mm-hmm. but she was a little short. And so I get right behind him to get off the plane. And what I noticed about him was um, – First, I noticed his jacket. There was some really weird tailoring on his jacket. And I'm thinking, that's a good-looking jacket. Mm-hmm. And then as he walked away from me, I thought, well, as a matter of fact, that's a good-looking guy. Right. Oh. My attention's up. But then uh-huh. he's helping this gal. She drops her luggage just at that place where you're getting off the plane. Between oh, no. The mm-hmm. And the walkway, right? Mm-hmm. So he bends down. He gets her all. He is like so butter smooth in this. He doesn't mm-hmm. care. You think he lives his life this way, right? Mm-hmm. So I get off that plane. I am pumped. I mm-hmm. am feeling great because I just watched this guy do two selfless things mm-hmm. um, that I know helped that gal. Because mm-hmm. I've been her before, like when you're flustered and dropped. Right. And, and then nothing's going to go right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but it, it impacted my morning. And consequently, I smiled more. My day actually did go well, even though I had difficult things to do. Well, on the return flight home, I'm getting off the plane, and there he is again ahead of me. It's 10 o'clock at night uh-huh. now. I only recognize him because of the cool jacket. Right. So I'm walking off the plane thinking, okay, do I tell him anything? Right. Mm-hmm. Or just pretend 
I'm, I just want to go home, right? I've mm-hmm. got another 20 minute drive. So we get off the plane. I'm going, what the heck? I don't care if he thinks right. I'm afraid. I said, mm-hmm. Hey, excuse me. I said, were you on the morning flight? And he, he looked around and he goes, yeah. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> oh, what'd I do? <laughs> I said, I just have to tell you what you helped that gal was totally cool. He, it, he didn't rec- remember doing it. And I said, no, you helped her with her luggage and she mm-hmm. dropped it. And he goes, oh yeah. I said, so I explained to him how it set me up for a great day. Mm-hmm. And we're walking, we're getting ready to hit to the parking lot. And he turns and I, he says, I can't tell you how important it was for you to tell me that because the day I had wasn't as good as your oh, day. Mm-hmm. And, and so I found out he just moved to our area like two months before. And we've mm-hmm. had a lot of expansion and stuff. But there was that piece about how he, by his actions, had really affected my day in, in a profound way. Because mm-hmm. it, it just grounded me. And then being able to say back to him and then welcome him to the community and mm-hmm. explain to him why he would never have run in or known where I lived because he wouldn't go there. So, um, but it's those little tiny things mm-hmm. that it's still to this day is is big in my head because of how that, just like you said, Deb, those little tiny things, we don't know how they can mm-hmm. impact somebody. And often it is a smile or just taking the time to slow down and actually look at the person mm-hmm. you're talking to. Right. And, well, then, and, and call them by name, you know, all mm-hmm. these various things. Um, I've had the, the uh, great opportunity a couple of times to interview the fabulous Peter Shankman, um, you know, huge marketing guru, all these various things. And I remember one of the things that he said one time during an interview was when he's deciding if he's going to work with somebody on a project or take them on as a client or whatever, he looks at how they interact with others, especially people who you know, are, are maybe in, in a service to him, you know, so how do these people, how do they treat the waiters? You know, did, were they polite to the concierge, the admin assistant, all those various things. And it just, it really struck home with me that, you know, just taking the time when you're at say the drive-thru in Chick-fil-A or whatever to, you know, they, they've got their standard little thing that they say that they're all trained to say, but when you smile and say, thank you, and you have a great day too, usually they pause and they look at you like, wow, nobody else has said that to me today. Or, you know, whatever it is, you know, you take that time to just say, thank you, you know, or, or like you said, smile at them, you know, because we're used to all these grumpy, frumpy people. And, you know, so the, the time that, and, and folks, you know, we're talking five, 10 seconds. This is not a big deal. But again, think how it makes a difference to you. You know, if somebody smiles at you, you're like, wow, okay. Um, you know, and, and, and that is about, you know, how we can do something simple and then it pays forward, um, you know, because hopefully then they're happier and they smile at somebody, um, you know, and, and all these various things as opposed to being cranky and, and because, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world where we're just cranky. I mean, you know, things are happening and, and all these various things, but the more we can lighten somebody's load, the better it is. Well, actually, when we do something that makes somebody else feel better, whether we know it or not, it does, it benefits us more than them because they're mm-hmm. neurologically, because right. you do get a dopamine hit from mm-hmm. it. Um, I'm not saying that's the reason to do it, right. but there's an immediate payoff for mm-hmm. you doing something nice to somebody because it does physiologically change you. Mm-hmm. And, and then you just want to do more. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're absolutely right. It only takes a couple of seconds and you're going to be using those seconds anyway. Mm-hmm. 
I had right. someone tell me once, uh, by the time I'm 50, it's going to take me until I'm 50 to get this degree. I'm going, but well, I want you to understand you're going to be 50 anyway at some point. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, just, it's, it's just time. Mm-hmm. Use it. So if we can think about those around us. Mm-hmm. And, and so I really think changing things is starts from within, right? Mm-hmm. So if right. I want um, to help other people, I need to help me be, I have to stretch also mm-hmm. into my uncomfort. So it was like having that internal conversation with myself. Are you going to be a crazy lady? And this guy's going to say, get away from me. I can, he might, but mm-hmm. who knows? He might not. Right. And, and even if he does, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You try. It's, it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and one of the things when you're working with people is to help them get out of that comfort zone. So why is that so important? You know, and and because I like my comfort zone. It's nice. It's safe. I know exactly what to expect. It's right here. And I know, you know, so why is it good that I get out of my comfort zone? Because if someone's working with me, they want to change. And if you want to change, you're not going to get it by doing exactly what you're doing. Mm -hmm. that's the pure and simple of it. So if I want to, um, I want better health, but I don't want to get up any earlier and I don't want to inconvenience myself, I'm going to not have what I want. Mm-hmm. And and so to stretch yourself, I, I do like the analogy or the image of a rubber band. It When you stretch it, it goes beyond, it will come back to like where it was, but it mm-hmm. never comes back to the same shape. Right. So each time the stretch can be farther, but you will never go back to being the identical person. And you've gained something Mm -hmm. in in the process. The other thing I think stretching does for you is it builds confidence. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know before we started, we were talking a little bit about the book. And one of the reasons that I wanted to write that book was partly for the content, but because I wanted to see, could I do it? Mm -hmm. You know, it was scary. I thought, I don't know, what if i you know, well, there's a whole host of things you think about. What if I can't do it? Well, I don't have to publish it. Mm-hmm. Well, what if everybody hates it? You know, I mean, it's just this litany of things. Right. And yeah, the going, what ifs really get get in the way. They can. And so having a coach that just gets you like, yeah, we're not worried about that now. You're worried about chapter three, mm-hmm. right? Like focus. And, um, but then also realizing that so many things good have come from just that one decision mm-hmm. to write a book um, because I met people I would never have met mm-hmm. before and they have, my life has just expanded from it and not necessarily in ways that are hugely tied to monetary, but to thought and mm-hmm. to relationships and oh my God, it's so much richer from having stretched. And I ended up getting to where I live now by taking a stretch from someone saying, hey, would you come here and teach? And then would you come here and live? And I'm going, I like where I am. I have friends. But mm-hmm. I thought, yeah, I will. But I would never have met my husband. You right. know, things, just all those things. I was uncomfortable, but um, you stretch and then you're going, oh, that wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. So I have liked having to stretch in my own life. So I know it's a bonus when Mm -hmm. you do. And it's one of the things I really do encourage people to do. And I think that's why it's important when we want to change. You cannot expect change to happen without having to change. Right. Well, but let's, one of the things that I think is, is probably, you know, maybe the most difficult is 
recognizing that you need to change, um, you know, and, and, or that change would be good. You know, we, people hate change. I mean, you know, they, they're, like we said, they're comfortable in that, that space, whether it's the job they like, the relationship they like, um, you know, whatever it is. And so how does somebody really start the process of, okay, maybe now is, is time to do something different? Well, I think we know on a couple of different levels. Um, I believe we can understand, most of us, we know when we're living in sync, let's say, because mm-hmm. when we're not, um, we know we're not being who we like to be. Maybe we're edgy or cranky or our gut just tells us this isn't where we should be or we get real physical issues going mm-hmm. on with it. Um, so that's one way of getting a signal. But knowing what to do and when to change, it actually takes some introspection. Mm-hmm. And you have to be deliberate about it. It's not a thing of saying, I don't want this anymore. It's like, okay, but what do you want? Right. And being really specific about it. And that often is a circular, you know, it's like there's that surface response. But then there's that deeper piece of examining, okay, but what is that really? Mm-hmm. What is beyond that what is driving that what's your real desire your outcome that you want from that so oftentimes people say i want this but when you ask the question why what would that be what would it look like or feel like you end up with a different want ultimately Mm -hmm. you know and it and it's really a more compelling want and when you get to that level of what compels you and you are like you're going that's it I got it. I'm clear now on that. Mm-hmm. It's easier to change. And it's easier to, um, even when you aren't able to sustain a new habit or behavior, it's easier to get back on and get on track with it mm-hmm. because you're motivated and you're motivated to something that's intrinsic to you and not just because, as you said earlier in our conversation, because someone told you in high school or a parent said you needed to do that, you're doing it because it really is you. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the interesting things that one of the gals I talked with mentioned, and she was a career counselor. So this kind of goes back to the whole change piece, similar to what you were talking about. And I and I'd asked her, I said, what did you notice? Like, who was your typical person? She goes, well, there's no typical person. But mm-hmm. I would tell you that oftentimes I would see folks between 35 and 45 who they knew they were doing stuff every day. It was putting food on the table, a roof over their head. And they would tell me, I'm, I'm killing myself doing mm-hmm. this physically. Right. Like it wasn't just a metaphorical. And she said, but there's so much attachment to not um, letting go of something. Mm-hmm. Like I have to do this. I studied to do this. That it I spent time. all that money to do this. Right. And now I have prestige, Mm -hmm. right? I'm recognized, maybe I'm the best in my industry or whatever. And for me to be changing is going to be uncomfortable. I may Mm -hmm. not end up at the same level. I may, who knows? So there is, there are real things to think about Mm -hmm. when you're thinking about change, because there's a loss. There's an inherent loss of, like you talked about earlier, security and safety, all those things. And it's harder for us to see the gain because Mm -hmm. we've never been there. We've never been to that place that we want to be. So we don't know what the gain looks like until we do exploring. And um, there are ways to find out what that would look like. Mm -hmm. But you can't just sit and go, okay, it's going to be like this. 
And I, you know, so there's, it's a process piece. And I don't know if I actually answered your question, Deb. Mm -hmm, You did. You know, and, and sometimes it is obviously much easier when change is forced on us. You lose the job, you, um, you know, lose that relationship, you don't get the promotion, whatever it is. And, but then you, we still don't recognize it. You know, we fall back into the, but this is what I've always done type of thing. And, you know, and it is difficult when we have those expectations, you know, whether it's that you're the breadwinner, um, you know, you're, well, this is what you've always done. Um, you know, I always cringe when I talk to somebody and they say, well, you know, I'm the fourth or fifth generation doing whatever this is. And it's like, well, do you really want to be doing that? And they look at me like, huh? Um, you know, it's, it's funny. I've been, we've been watching um, on TV the program Trust, which is about the Gettys. And, you know, all of those expectations and, and things that were with them, you know, you had that name, therefore you had to be doing X. Um, you know, and, and I think that's where it gets very difficult is to, to step outside and say, you know what, I need something different. Um, you know, and, and I love in your book, a lot of what you talk about is that when people start kind of examining, you know, wh- what's next, it's, it is quite often helping others, um, you know, founding a nonprofit, helping kids, doing all of those various things. And, you know, we, it's funny, we, we do things like that when we're little, you know, when we're kids, we volunteer, we're, girl, we're in Girl Scouts, whatever, and then we get busy and we have our jobs and we have our families and all of those things. But then later on in our lives and in our careers, that is when we take that step back and think, okay, now what? How can I be helping others? And, you know, and, and I love that that's a lot of what you talk with people about is, you know, how can you turn this into something where we really can help others? There's a sense of um, fulfillment that comes from being, to, from contributing, but also from being relevant, mm-hmm. right? And um it's just interesting when you talked about there's a stage or when we step back and want to give back, it may actually in fact be a stage, mm-hmm. but I, I do know that oftentimes that's where the fulfillment comes back and people say, I just want to be able to help in this way or accomplish this thing. And when you ask why, well, because it would make it better for everybody or my mm-hmm. family or my community. And those kinds of reasons can be very um, energizing, mm-hmm. right? Because it's bigger than just you. And you're going, I get it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I have a purpose here. And I'm going to contribute in the way that's unique to me. And mm-hmm. everybody has their own unique way, thank goodness, or mm-hmm. it would be very boring. I'd be boring, yes. Mm-hmm. Really boring. And we wouldn't have anybody to show us that there are other things. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so being able to... Um, Find out and and express yourself and and be who you are so that others also can do the same thing, I think really lights people up. And Mm -hmm. that's oftentimes what people are telling me. It's like, I know I'm good at my job. I may not want or need to leave my job. I just may need to do something that helps me feel connected Mm -hmm. to my own life and to my community. And, you know, as as you know, it's different for everybody. Mm -hmm. Well, and yeah, it can be that they do a volunteer project on the side, you know, or, um, you know, all these various things. And, and I think that, you know, maybe that's one of the misperceptions that a lot of times people think is they have to make a major dramatic change. 
And, you know, you talk in your book about this and, and you know, it's, we have to start small. You know, yeah, granted, sometimes we're forced into a big change, but for the most part, we have to start small and then it can grow and maybe it stays small. I mean, you know, and, and that's one of the things that people really need to realize is your little part makes the difference, you know, and, 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 and so it's okay if that's all that you do, you don't need to, you, you don't need to be thinking, you know, okay, well, this isn't enough. Because it very well may be the difference between something happening and something not happening. It's interesting. I was listening to an interview yesterday. I'm so bad with tracking names. And <laughs> I want to say, it was, um, I'm not going to even say because I don't want to butcher it. So, um, but the concept was how, you know, when you, th- and this relates to thinking or starting small, that oftentimes if we can look just reflect back at the end of the day about ourselves like what did i do today mm-hmm. and that'd be a lot what difference did that make like did it benefit somebody did i you know did it clean up something but when people do that over time like just tracking like well i did these five simple things today mm-hmm. and man they made a difference and it changes the motivation to engage mm-hmm engage in a job, engage with other people, because you start to see that you are, your part Mm -hmm. is making a difference and you are relevant and you are um, important. But we just don't often step back enough to look and go, that did make a difference. You Mm -hmm. know, when I was kind to that person or I took that extra moment to make a quick phone call on behalf of somebody, I may never know the outcome, but I do know that it it lightened their load a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. I heard them breathe a sigh of relief and they went on with their day. Mm-hmm. But even just starting that small, one of the gals, well, I've actually had the privilege of knowing for a long time that I talk about in the book. One of the things that um, she is so great is about not accepting when people have, they just say, well, here's all my physical limitations. And she trains people um, in athletics, mm-hmm. as well as being an international trainer and coach. Mm-hmm. But she said, well, can you, can you walk? Or do we need to think of, because if the answer to that is no, then she'll think of something else, because right. the answer is never no. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, of course I can walk. And she goes, okay, well, let's just walk. Mm-hmm. Let's just walk twice a week for, you know, not far. Mm-hmm. And, and she goes, and, you know, pretty soon they're saying, well, that wasn't hard enough. Can I do something else? But it, it really is that you do start small. You start with a step. Mm-hmm. Because often, you know, it's like if you were walking um, downstairs, which is just a thing of gravity, right? You lift your foot up, and if you don't mm-hmm. reach for the step, you're, you're going to fall down or up. So if you start, you'll know what to do. The next thing is put your foot on the step, and it's mm-hmm. going to be followed by the other step. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes, you can't see that next step until you've actually stepped out, and you go, Oh, now I can see, Mm -hmm. or I may need to take a step back and ask somebody a question or get some help. Mm -hmm. You know, and and that to me is one of the most important things is to know when to ask for help and guidance. Um, You know, the the people who try and do it all themselves, for whatever reason, um, you know, sometimes it does get done, you know, and, and I'll be honest, I am one of those people that I struggle with that on occasion, because I'm the only one who knows how to do it the right way, right? <laughs> and so to, to think, okay, I either need to ask for help or good golly, Sarah can probably do this and it'll be different, 
but it's not wrong. Um, you know, and, and that it, that obviously shows you know leadership and and all those various things. But it's interesting when we work with the people who have to do it themselves, have to take all the credit. You know, they can only use the word I and me. You know, if if I try and, and interject we in there, they're like, no. Um, you know, and, and and of course what happens is we don't want to work with those people. You know, we we work with them for the the what you know, maybe it's a project, maybe it's whatever, but we don't want to work with those people who are like that. And whether it's that they want all of the glory or they don't trust that somebody else could do it. I think one of the really biggest signs of a true leader is the fact that they can ask for help and they can ask for guidance. I would agree. Um, I do think it's a learned skill about asking for help and guidance. Um, and I'm, you, when you speak, I'm reflecting. I've allowed myself the gift of having a virtual office manager now for almost two years. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've been in the corporate sector and nonprofit, but at this, like on my side business, I thought, well, that feels very luxurious, right? Mm-hmm, so I was right. thinking, I, do, I don't want to bother her with all this stuff that I can do. And one day I just called her. I'm on an airplane. I wrote an email on the airplane and said, I need to call you when I land because I was, I was holding too much for myself to do. Mm-hmm. And I said, just, I want 10 minutes. Now we're in time zone differences. So my, I said, are you available? And which I knew would put it at her dinner time. And she goes, just call. Mm-hmm. So I said, I just want 10 minutes. I'm going to just tell you this and we can talk at our normal time on Monday. And so she's brilliant. And I said, here's my laundry list. Mm-hmm. Blah, 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 blah. And down at the bottom, I said, and this is the least important, but I'm just going to tell you. So she says, okay, we'll talk Monday. And on Monday, I'm going to have some thoughts for you. Mm-hmm. But honestly, just being able to be that vulnerable shifted for me. And right. and there are times where, you know, there are things that I normally do that I, I just say I can't. Mm-hmm. And she goes, I'll pick that up or mm-hmm. vice versa. But the product or the end result is actually better when we work that right. way. And it's, oh, my God, it's so, it's so much fun mm-hmm. to work like that as well as beneficial. But that... That is not my strong suit. I just own it. And so mm-hmm. that's why I can recognize it well in other people. And I just go, wow, mm-hmm. do you think there's anything right. that you could ask for help on? Mm-hmm. Um, or what might you be able to have someone else help you with? Well, I don't know. Well, what might that be? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to watch the pushback. Right. But I just think we all grow and people like to help and they like to see you succeed. Honestly, people mm-hmm. like others to succeed and we all like to be a part of their success. Mm-hmm. Well, and I've, I've talked about this a lot on my program. It's difficult as a small business owner, as that entrepreneur to ask for help because we, we somehow think we have to do it all or worse. We can't afford to have somebody else do it. Um, you know, and, and, and it's funny when I finally adapted to the, Sure, I could do it myself, but somebody else can do it better. And or by having somebody else do it, it frees up my time to do what I really should be doing. Um, you know, the, the producer of this program, absolutely love her. I give her almost no direction because I trust her. You know, and, and so that's a big thing. I mean, you know, to, to actually work with somebody that you trust that much. But I could do what she does. 
But by her doing it, it frees up my time, um, you know, and, and, and she has great suggestions, she has great ideas, all these various things. And I think that's where people get caught in the, I have to do it all. And it's, it's like we were saying at the very start of the program, because people will think less of me, they'll think I'm not smart enough. Well, holy schmoly, when I was smart enough to hire a virtual assistant, that was like really smart, um, you know, and, and all these various things. I think it really shows the intelligence when we ask for help. Um, and I, I tell people, I, I have the 15-minute rule. You know, if it's going to take me longer than 15 minutes to do whatever it is, then I probably should outsource it, even if it's something I like. You know, I love tinkering on my website. I'm just one of those little tech geeks. I like playing and doing all this. And then, of course, what happens is I break it. But, um, you know, if it's something I can do quickly, then I will do it myself. But if it's not something, then I outsource it, um, you know, and, and and we outsource other things. I mean, you know, we don't try and diagnose our own illnesses most of the time. Um, you know, we hopefully don't try and fix our own cars, all these things. So, you know, why can't we outsource and ask for help in business? And and I think that it's really funny that, that that's where we kind of have that sticking point is, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't do that. And it just makes life so much better and makes us more successful. And as I said, it frees us up to do what we're supposed to be doing. Well, I would say that once we all, and I'll, I'll say for myself, but I will also say for others, and I know for those I've worked with, once we get over the hump about mm-hmm. asking for help, um, things get a lot easier. Right. And they get a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. Right. Because a lot of the things that we're asking for help are things that we don't enjoy doing. Uh, you know, maybe it's the accounting, maybe it's, you know, whatever, uh, you know, like uh, managing a website, all those. So then it does, it frees us up to have more fun doing what we really want to do. Well, and the people who are helping us, their idea of fun is what they're helping us. I know. I'm like, oh my God, you like doing spreadsheets? Sure. Okay, then here. (laughs) How about it? Right. I like to know how to do something. I just don't feel compelled to do right, it all. Right. I want to know how it's done so that I can recognize if there's an issue, but I don't have to do it. Exactly. Right. Well, oh my gosh, Sarah, we are almost at the top of the hour. This has been great. You know, we definitely have to do this again. But tell people a little bit more about your coaching and your consulting. Well, I work with a handful of high-achieving women or men um, each year. I, I keep my client base small so that I can work intensely. Great. And I do that um, throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And then with my consulting, I really will work with um, typically nonprofits or groups. Most recently, I worked with a great group, a small leadership group from a nonprofit and mm-hmm. doing some coaching specific to what they need. And um, all of that I custom design for Perfect. them. Same with the coaching. So if folks are interested, they can hop on my website. Um, We've got that little cool speak pipe thing. If you're not a texter or a typer, you can just speak a message in there. It comes to me as an email and um, we can chat. I have an opportunity if folks want to talk more for a free 15 minute, just check in, find out more about coaching or how it might fit for you. But mostly if you are interested in coaching, I would suggest find out about coaches, reach out, talk to a few, see who a fit for you is. And remember, it's an investment. So Mm -hmm. expect to pay some money and expect to invest your time because a coach is going to help you, but you, it's work. Mm -hmm. 
Right. As well it should be because then it's worth it. You know, if, and if it wasn't work and we got it, we're like, eh, okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> it's like anything that you get for free. You don't right. value it quite as right. much as when you've like had a little sweat, sometimes a little sweat and tears right. to acquire it. Perfect. Well, I've talked a little bit about your book, which is The Change Maker Ripple Effect. And I understand that at some point you might have a new book coming out. So we definitely will have you on the program again. Um, I've been, you know, we can find information about you on your website, which is Sarah Box. And I'm going to spell that out. S-A-R-A-H-B-O-X-X dot com. And, and I am Deb Creer. I'm, I've been having a fabulous time talking with Sarah Box. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.